Well, Russ was real kind this morning. He said I could have 45 minutes, and so um, I'm just kidding. I'm really, uh, I thought we're going to have to call 911 over here. Okay, three things I want to get done this morning. Number one is I want to make sure we know that the Bible is relevant because it brings the good news that God loves you that God finds value in your life, and that you are important to him. Number two, the Bible is relevant because it's a flawless journey to our time on earth. The Bible is something that can accompany us every day of life and bring us God's life, bring us his vibrant life as he speaks to us through his good news. And lastly, The Bible is relevant because it brings forgiveness. It speaks of the most powerful thing that can happen in this church, and that's when we say your sins are forgiven. You are so right with God, he's tickled pink with you. Forgiveness. Now, I had to try and figure out how I was going to talk about the Bible today, and I was remembering back when I was in the first grade, and we learned this song that went, the B-I-B-L-E. It's a word for me, because I stand on the word, the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Oh, you all went to the same Sunday school I did. That's good. Do we? We still standing on that word? In an age of artificial intelligence and the internet and technology, much less trying to do online banking. (laughs) Are we really standing on that word yet or is that just something that we kind of put to the side? My job today is to explain the entire New Testament to you in 15 minutes. That means we're going to be looking at the whole New Testament from about 62,000 feet, okay, because um, we're not going to have time to do anything else. But this kind of takes me back to the first Easter. You remember that? In Luke's Gospel, the women go to the tomb, the rock is rolled away, and there's an angel there that says he is risen, and they go back to tell the disciples what do the disciples do? They blow them off. They say, oh, thanks for sharing. That's really nice, you know. And tell you what, I got a bridge in Jerusalem if you want to buy it. But they don't pay any. Do you know, I wonder how many Christians have sat in churches year after year, and we never get past the point that the tomb is empty, And that Jesus Christ wants to have a daily relationship with us as we live as people. Now, okay, I'm supposed to cover all 27 books. Oh, that's an answer on your sheet. I'm going to show you in a minute. But, yeah, there's 27 books in the New Testament. Um, But I was trying to think about how... How best can I move you through all this material and we're not going to cover it all today? Um, 
but I was going to pull out this old outline I had from my seminary days, and that was many years ago. And I was going to give that to you and tell you here this kind of will cover the New Testament, but I thought I can't do that to those good people. So instead I wrote my own outline, and it's on the green sheet that's in your bulletin here. Um, Yeah, how about that homework in church? Isn't this cool? What I'd like you to do is to take that sheet home and Google how was the New Testament formed. Take that sheet home and Google canonization of the New Testament. Take that sheet home and Google how did the Bible get put together. And you're going to find all kinds of really cool stuff. Now, we're going to do something really novel today. You ready? I want you to take the pew Bibles out of the racks. Oh, man. We've actually got the word of God. Did anybody get bit? No. Okay. We're all okay. This is good. This is good. Now, I want you just to take a look at that New Testament. That's the back part, the last 27 books in there. And let's just talk about this for a minute. Make sure we all understand. How old was Jesus when he started his ministry? 30. Right. And that's because you got to be 30 to go to the temple and shoot the breeze with the rabbis and the other religious guys. Um, and that's when you're a man. So Jesus is 30 when he starts his ministry. How long does his ministry last? Three years. Good, good. And um, so we know that about 33, 34 AD, somewhere in there, um, Jesus is crucified. After three days, God raises him from the dead. And then we know that he ascends into heaven. The Holy Spirit comes. A crazy thing. When I was a senior in high school, that was a long time ago, um, my senior English teacher was a lady named Eleanor Brady. And we thought she was about 94 years old at the time. And um, that was right when the Beatles came out with that song about Eleanor Rigby. And so we used to always hum that in class. And the, well, we all have to grow up sometime, you know. <laughs> Anyhow, um, three things Miss Brady always taught us. Number one, you put your name on the top of the page. Number two, you date it. And number three, you write the topic out of what your paper's about. It is clearly evident that none of the writers of the New Testament were ever in English class with Miss Brady. Just never happened. I mean, you hear me trying to talk about the dates of the Bible, and if you, when you look at all that internet stuff, you're going to find that the way theologians make a name for themselves is by coming up with an alternate theory of what other people are saying. So you will find some people, and I'm one who says the New Testament was written in about 80 years. You'll find others who will tell you, oh, it took 150 years. 
Um, but anyhow, you'll find on your sheet there that I gave you that I've kind of given you some rough ideas of how the New Testament was written. And so let's just assume, so we can do easy math with fives and tens, let's assume that uh, Jesus ascends into heaven in 35 AD, okay? Now, how do people, in the, what's the oldest book in the New Testament? It's on your sheet, no, it's 1 Thessalonians. Oldest book in the New Testament is 1 Thessalonians, okay? Matter of fact, the oldest books in the New Testament are Paul's writings. Because Paul is out there starting churches while the church is growing. And Paul doesn't, Paul writes about the problems they need to fix in the churches. Actually, we have two letters to the Corinthians, right? First Corinthians, second Corinthians. There's actually four letters to the Corinthians. We don't have the last two. So you find out that this is how the Bible, let's talk about the Bible content just for a second here, okay? We have four gospels. I'll tell you. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Well, you're all sitting there looking like this is confirmation class or something. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay? And the Gospels all are connected to an apostle, okay? Matthew, a disciple. John, a disciple. Mark, connected to Peter. And Luke, connected to St. Paul. And so... The Gospels, right away, um, by 150 A.D., are considered scripture, verbally. Okay, that's how powerful the Gospels are. After that, we have 13 letters of St. Paul. And then we have the Book of Acts, Revelation. And then we have seven letters First through three, John, Jude, James, and that's 27 books of the New Testament. But let's go to one other thing on your sheet there just for a second, and that's critical time framework between 64 and maybe 66 AD. Four things happen here. Okay, the first is Rome burns, and the Christians get blamed for it. And what they do is they put the Christians on poles and light them on fire. They feed some of them to the lions. Um, so that if you are looking to read, this is number two, the Gospel of Mark, because Mark is the oldest of the Gospels, written about 65 AD. You just imagine what it's like to be a Christian fearing for your life, that the Romans could come and kill you and what this Jesus Christ means to you. Okay, third thing that happens in here, Paul gets beheaded. That they finally take Paul, because he's a Roman citizen out, they can't crucify him, but they take him out on the back road of Rome and cut his head off. So Paul's killed. Last thing that happens is Peter gets crucified in Rome. They crucify him upside down because he doesn't want to be crucified like Jesus. 
So if that doesn't shake your Christian cookies just a little bit, to get you thinking about what these people went through and how the word of God grew, how the word of God grew. Okay, let's stop for a minute. I'm going to change direction slightly and ask you, how many of you have ever sat in church and wished your life was closer to Jesus Christ? You don't have to raise hands or anything. I suspect all of us, all of us at some point in our lives have wanted to be closer to Jesus Christ, to know he's there with us. I've been with people in some pretty hard situations in my years. And there are times when I've just prayed to myself, Jesus, come be with me, because I'm not sure what to do or what to say. And I suspect a bunch of you have been in that situation, too. You know what I found out? I found out that I get in trouble in my life, at least, you know, with faith, when I don't stay in the Word of God, when I don't bother with that Word of God. And I'll tell you why. I like control. I like being in control. I like figuring out what's going to happen. I like being a problem solver. I want to get things done. I'll tell you a secret about some pastors. I won't speak for anybody but myself. You put a clergy collar on a pastor and then tell us to go out and help God. Now, if that isn't a lie that we're telling ourselves, there is no such thing. That we don't go out to help God, we go out to serve God. Same as all of you. But how many of us kind of neatly take faith and move it to the side and I'll handle this, Lord, till I get to the big stuff? You know, I'll be honest with you. I found in my life that the really hard times come and I cause them. I cause them and I need to refocus myself. How many people, how many times do you get on TV and you hear somebody saying, believe in yourself? You know, the therapist side of me says, yeah, I understand that. But the other side of me says, believing in myself isn't going to go anywhere because someday, I'm going to go, and I won't believe in anything because believing in myself doesn't take me anywhere. I have to believe in Jesus Christ, and that's the Bible. That's what the Bible brings us. Well, almost out of my 15 minutes. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to take you all the way down. The year is 367 A.D., and our buddy Athanasius, you know, he's the one who had that creed on Trinity Sunday that you all begged us to use every week. (laughs) Um, But we're not doing that, nope. But Athanasius put forth the 27 books of the Bible in 367. You know, the church wasn't really concerned about the canon as much as they were doctrinal difficulties 
in other things, but from there the Bible was closed. It was 27 books that we have today. But what's the one thing that really propelled the Bible in the world? 1437. Well, you were an early church. You should have known that answer. (laughs) Yeah, the printing press. That all those manuscripts we had. You know, the Bible's the best documented book in the world. But all the manuscripts and everything we had, not only could be printed in the Greek and the Hebrew, but it could be translated into French, into English, into German. The word of the Lord grows. Well, our last point today, and the Bible is relevant because it brings forgiveness. And I'll just ask, how many of you have ever wanted a do-over in life? Maybe some of you are smiling like you want to get up and tell me about it, you know. (laughs) Your health, your finances, relationships, what you told your boss you, wish you wouldn't have said. The lists go on and on for things we want do-overs for. But this is forgiveness. First of all, it's being able to forgive yourself because that's the hardest thing. But forgiveness is not pretending it didn't happen. Forgiveness is knowing that we can heal, we can grow, we can change as God's people. And we can move on in our relationships. So we've done the Bible at 62,000 feet this morning. I hope you take your outline home, spend a little time with it. If you have any questions, call the pastors. That's why we're here. But um, more than anything else, I hope when you're walking out the door today and going downstairs to celebrate, that you're humming the B-I-B-L-E. It's the book for me. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.